Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward today to speaking with Gemma Miller and hearing more about her career journey, which has taken her through a variety of roles before finding her passion as a jeweller. As a talented goldsmith, one of her specialties is transforming precious and sentimental heirloom jewellery, so the rings and necklaces from your great granny that might be languishing in your bottom drawer, into contemporary pieces that you want to wear. She's also one of the co-founders of The Makers, bringing together over 20 jewellers from across New Zealand into an online retail marketplace. Kia ora, Gemma, and thank you for coming to chat with me today. Oh, kia ora. Thank you very much for having me. Ah, you're welcome. So, Gemma, I'm really excited, actually, to hear more about your career journey today. But one of the questions that I'd love to start with, in fact, is, is taking you back a little way, back perhaps into when you were a kid or when you were a teenager, and thinking, when, when you were that age, what did you want to be or, or do when you grew up? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this myself. I grew up on a sheep farm in rural Southland, so I think those were the beginnings of everything that I value now. Mm. I was recruited on the weekends and in holidays to do a lot of work on the farm. My granddad was an engineer who still had his workshop on the farm when I was growing up, and I spent a lot of time playing and being around him. I think he is still an influence heavily on my life. He just turned 103 this week. Oh, wow. Goodness, that's a good innings. I know, it's so good. And yeah, he, he's such a great man. And he really toiled away at some great things. And I like to see myself as someone that toils away at a big project. Yeah. Mm. So. Um, and then as a, as a kid, did you have, you know, was the sort of the creative arena something that you were thinking about or were you thinking yeah. about you know I know you sort of took it took a path that took you to to uni on on the way as thinking about maybe something you should do so what what were you yes. thinking as you went through high school and, and into those later years about what you might like to do as a career yeah I definitely spent a lot of my time thinking about what I should do and what would be good to do mm. and I think I resisted a little bit of my creative side for quite a while I I was really into sports and expressing myself in that way, horse riding and gymnastics and hockey. And, and I think growing up in a small town, I, I actually did notice the town jeweller and I always kind of admired that family and the jeweller and the shop. But I never really thought I would become a version of that. Mm. But however, at university, I, did, I was fortunate enough to work in a bead shop in the early 2000s and that was when the bead shops were at the height of popularity so I felt really fortunate and I loved that job just creating jewellery to sell in the shops and helping people to make their own jewellery I think that might be where it started but I didn't quite think that that was it for me and I didn't know where to go from there. 
Gosh, that totally brings me back. The talk of the, the bead shop. I remember <laughs> in, the, in the art centre in Christchurch going and making yeah. practices and uh, that, yeah. that was a total blast from the past there that you're oh, talking yeah. about. It. I love it. Yeah. What then, and I know you sort of did a, a few different roles, then Then there must be a certain point in time, I, I have met you You talked to me about it beforehand as perhaps being a non-linear accident, but how did you, yeah. how did you end up then recognising actually that being a jeweller or, or getting into goldsmithing was something that you wanted to do? Yeah, well, we'd been travelling, my now husband and I had been travelling and working in a few different places and countries and I found we found ourselves on Hamilton Island in Queensland and I didn't want to work in an office or in the tourism industry heavily and the only place that really resonated with me on the island well my husband was being a dive instructor was a marble sculpture gallery mm. and went in there one day on my day off and was kind of yeah looking for something and I just pretty much said outright can I work here and I was really giving up on everything else that I'd been working towards, giving up, thrown away what I thought was thrown away, everything that I'd worked for at uni. Mm. And what would my parents think and everything like that? But mm. it was the best thing I ever did. He said, yes, I, I need someone and let me see your hands. And uh, it was kind of an unusual situation. And he said, oh, you've got good hands for making things. And it all started from there. I was a, an apprentice there for two years. and he also. Um, made uh, micro sculpture and had them cast as pendants in silver and gold. And I focused on them quite a lot. So that's where it all started. When we left the island, I thought, okay, well, I actually worked another role for one more year and didn't like it. And then I decided, okay, I've got to look for how I can become a jeweler proper. And mm. how do I do that? I love yeah. it. And I love that kind of, as you say, that that kind of just happened to walk into the store and happened to have that conversation. And I love that conversation about, you know, have you got a maker's hands? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, gosh, it just was sort of meant to be. And so then how you sort of said you made that decision of, okay, I want to be a, a, a jeweller. How, I have no idea. And I'm curious, how do you train to become a jeweller? Yeah, it was tricky for me to find out too, because Nowadays, well, it was 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. It's in New Zealand as well. Mm. It's not easy to find a traditional apprenticeship. Back in the day, most jewelers immigrated to New Zealand already trained up. Mm. And so, and you were limited by the jeweler that trained you. Mm. So I looked at Polytechs, I looked at uh, creative design and fashion courses. And I, well, maybe it's just an, an instinct again, but. I wanted something that was 100% at the bench, working with the metal, not so much design heavy, but practically working with the tools every day. That's what mm. I needed. And it turned out that there was a private school in Auckland run by Peter Mintern, who's a, one of the retired jewelers that immigrated from England mm. in the 60s. He was pretty well known for his out there jewellery in the 70s that was you couldn't get anything else like it in New Zealand at the time. He ran a comprehensive diploma course, which focused on a 40-hour week at the bench and all the other design work and essays and theory had to be done outside of that. So it was like going back to high school in mm. some ways as a 27-year-old and I was with school leavers, but it was great and I loved it and I didn't regret a moment of it and I worked really hard and it suited me and 
yeah, it was hard. If it wasn't good enough, it was dismantled with a hammer. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, good old-fashioned apprenticeship styles there. Good as mm-hmm. there. And we think the, you know, the occasional bit of tough uh, constructive criticism in an office is, uh, is, is tough, or at least I oh. find that. But that's some serious, uh, serious clear feedback that you, you get given. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely good motivation for getting things precise, which is what was needed. And, yeah, I think it has really benefited everybody that's gone through that school. And unfortunately, it is no longer, but it has just taken a different shape that's amalgamated with other uh, private schools. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And what do you love about your work? I love creating beautiful things and I really love recycling for the environment, but also for the sentimentality of the piece. I love the history that jewellery holds for the wearer and for the family that it belongs to. And, yeah, I just think that when I can create something beautiful for people that I love and they love it too, it's such a rewarding experience and that's really why I do it. Mm. And... What kind of fascinates me about it is is you have that kind of creative drive and that, you know, desire to create something that, that a family or, or person will love. At the same time, it is a business. And so how do you find that balance between purpose and, and profit in there? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a constant battle. Yeah. You have, and you have to, like, creativity is like a feather on the on the breeze if if the breeze is too strong the feather will just blow away and disappear so you have to listen to yourself when you feel like making something if you can you should do it so I have to divide up my week pretty carefully Mm. between family and uh, admin of all kinds and Mm. the actual making at the bench so I often find myself working late at night yeah, I never thought I was a night owl, but I really am. And working until one in the morning and then getting most, feeling really happy about where the piece is going and then being able to go to bed. And then in the mornings, I work very hard to learn constantly, learn more every day about the other things that a business needs to run, mm. which we didn't learn at jewellery school. And mm. I didn't even really learn it at uni but it is able to be learnt quite easily by talking to other people in business and through the internet, things like mm, social media, that's very important, but accounting, that's very important and Mm. understanding what the true cost is of making a piece because when you're at home as a stay-at-home mum and sometimes you're fighting to justify your hobby is being a viable business to mm. yourself and to other people yeah it's interesting to really look at the numbers and and the handmade factor is mm. also a huge part of it mass-produced work can be a lot cheaper to make but it's a different it's a different product at the end of the day Mm. and I, I know you you talked to me briefly before about sometimes you felt that people were not sorry, maybe is dismissing you a little bit as somebody who just does this as a hobby, is, you know, in between looking yeah. after the kids. Whereas in actual fact, it is it is your your business. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's true. And I I I do notice it, but 
it doesn't it doesn't bother me too much because I like to kind of go under the radar and be discovered by accident, like through word of mouth or through referrals. I'm not into the hard sell. That is just not how it works with these special pieces of jewellery. They have to be, you know, they have to kind of be born out of, you know, another accident. You know, oh, I run into somebody and they ask me what I do. And if it clicks with them, then they quickly realise that it could be a, a way for their jewellery to be recreated. For other people that aren't looking for jewellery, it is sometimes hard to explain to them what I do. And going back to making pieces at the bench with creativity and making something really special for people mm. is quite contrasting to the nuts and bolts of running a business. Mm. So, yeah, I'm constantly asking myself, is this what the person will want in the piece? And am I happy with it? And And then the business side of things kicks in. Is this viable? Is this going to work with my week? And will I make any money off it? <laughs> because at the end of the day, I can't do it for nothing all the time. No. Yeah, that, that's the lesson that I'm learning as the years go on. It's definitely helped being in a community of other jewelers, which is how the makers started. Mm. We are often solo creatures toiling away in our workshops in the dark. <laughs> if we come together, it helps a lot. We can bounce ideas off each other, mm. we can learn off each other, and we can support each other. So I'm really fortunate to be a part of a great community in Wellington, mm. but also it's growing across the country with what we're doing with the makers. So mm. self-doubt, yeah. Just finding others to be your ally mm. um, really helps. Yeah. Great, great piece of advice. Yeah. And tell me more about the journey that you've gone on then with the makers, because I know it's um, kind of changed in its shape and, and form over the last few years. Yeah, it has. It's been great. When I, I after becoming a goldsmith, I worked in New Zealand and then over in the UK for a couple of years and came back to New Zealand. And we were just putting our feet down in Wellington. So I looked for a studio to share to put my bench into and we'd share the big tools. It's often how jewellers work. We share a workshop and um, share the large expenses and the large items, machinery, mm. tools. And um, I found this wonderful studio that's still um, going strong. It's been in operation for almost 15 years now. It's workspace studios and they actually run night classes teaching people how to make jewellery. So mm. I became a tutor for them. I moved my bench in and started having cups of tea with everybody and that's how it all started. Yeah, four of us were preparing for our Christmas run. It's always busy over Christmas. Yes. how we like it. And we thought, why don't we set up a little pop-up shop in our beautiful big studio. People can see the pieces being made Mm. and they can come in and maybe get a gift for Christmas. If they're walking past, we're kind of on the periphery of Cuba Street. So... Mm could walk by on their way home and pick something up and it was wonderful we had fundraising parties um we fundraised for a lot of different organizations over the five years basically the pop-up shop never closed we just kept it going and ran it between the four of us it's it's been wonderful now we've with the present environment we have focused on online sales we've developed our website and we now represent over 20 artists and jewelers from across New Zealand. And it's really amazing to um, be a part of that. Um, yeah. So I love that story. I love the fact that it kind of 
just grew out of that sense of community and then kind of blossomed from there, but also has has kind of taken a modern shift, but to bring more people into your community as well. Yeah, I love uh, it's a it's a it's a wonderful story. Just change tack a little bit, Gemma. Tell me about what have been some of your, you know, the uh, what have I guess been some of your toughest career moments or toughest career challenges? I think making the decision to change my job mm. for something that suited me better mm. been some of the challenging times in the past. I just, yeah, it takes a long time to find out what you truly want to do and then mm. you, you have other obligations in life and you, yeah, can you make a living out of it? I think those have been the tough moments, but I guess in my experience, listening to your inner self and answering those tough questions for yourself they have never been the wrong thing to do. It's always paid off for me. Yeah, so I think that actually right now it's a tough time in my career, mm. just being through the level four lockdown of COVID. And yeah, so there's been a lot of time for reflection. Everything mm. was like for everybody, not just myself, of course, but everybody was forced to stop everything. Mm. And uh, yeah, but now it's okay there's we're coming out of it there is fear but there's also excitement and opportunity so we just have to see what happens and and keep going with the plan yeah but I feel fortunate that we've had the time to develop our website and we've got a whole new way of growing now so it's it's very exciting Mm, and you sort of talked about it constantly learning as well, and it and it's would involve learning a whole new set of skills to uh, to take that part of the business forward. Yeah, yes, photography of jewellery, for instance, it's ah. really tricky. Yeah, <laughs> and um, building the website and connecting it to all of our social media platforms. Yeah, and just still connecting with our customer as well because it's a really personal thing, and yeah, we. We, we get as much out of it as the, as the customer, as the wearer. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's yes. great. And, and you know, and, and it's impossible to probably recreate that sense of somebody coming into the studio, into the workshop. But at least how, yeah. do, you, how do you get that sense of connection? And is, because, as you said, you know, handmade artisan mm. is, is so different to something that's, that's being mass-produced. Yeah. yeah, that's part of the challenge, communicating that over the internet but we have incorporated some good new ways of meeting up with people virtually so we can send out sizing ring sizing kits to people to try on their rings and meet with people over zoom and Mm. um, yeah Mm. wearing wearing a piece of jewelry or handling that can communicate so much more than just a photograph yes yeah and also, I guess, expand your market beyond Wellington, beyond people who might be um, local yeah. to actually potentially in New Zealand or even overseas as well. Yes, yes, that has already become a thing. So Is we're it? really happy about that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, yeah, it's really positive. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with word of mouth. That's one of the most valuable things that people can do for small businesses spread the word or write a review or like or tag things on social media but that Mm. our following in Wellington has been growing and it's loyal and we've seen people come from other places through our Wellington customers as well so that's nice. It is that's you know you're onto a good thing if people are are referring you and and doing that word of mouth (laughs) recommendations definitely and where do you see your career now heading in the future? 
Oh, well, it'll definitely be jewellery-related as far as I can see. Yeah. Mm. So there's a lot of ideas running through my head and mm. it's just about juggling them with our present projects and the makers is constantly evolving as we've seen and that's exciting. And, yeah, we've always said, like with our, our group of makers, before that started it, it always had to suit us as makers if it wasn't working for one of us, it wasn't working for any of us. So mm. we've been fortunate to be able to support each other in that way while we all take turns at having some time off to spend with family when we've got new babies coming into our lives or other projects um, happening in our lives as well. So, yeah, time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I guess, you know, having come in some ways from that, sort of happy accident in some ways uh, who knows what what the future might hold for you in terms of of your work yeah yeah absolutely yes and I'd kind of I'd love to hear what career advice you might have for other people I would say growing up is hard and it's been a while since I grew up I'm 38 now so I just think when you are at high school or when you're young just ask lots of questions and let your curiosity go where it takes you and follow it. Yeah. If you like something, kind of pursue it. Don't be afraid. Don't think you're not worth that or you can't possibly do that and the thing that you should be doing because at the end of the day, Mm. you've just got to do what makes you happy. And if you can find something that makes you happy, you can usually make a living off it. It's and you just have to, yeah, find the right people. Keep searching until you can make it happen. I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. Those are a great piece of, of advice. And I think, you know, so many of us grew up with certain expectations of things that we should do. And yeah. that's often why it can take a bit of time to figure out what it is that you really love to do and you enjoy doing and that you're good at and also that you can make a, make a living or make a business out of. Yeah, and I think that now it's not unusual to have more than one career mm. from completely different mm. sides of the spectrum. So, yeah, it's it's liberating, really. And more than one career running at the same time. It's, anything is possible. Yeah, yes. there's no like rules it. anymore. I like mm. that. What a, what a good point to, to finish it up on. There's no rules anymore. Here we go. And anything can happen. Anything is possible. Hey, Gemma, thank you so much for your time today. I really, it was fascinating for me to hear about your, your journey and your passion. And I'm certainly going to take a look for, for myself and my bottom drawer to see if I've got some of interesting <laughs> pieces that could be uh, refashioned, repurposed, transformed into, uh, into something more wearable. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. You're welcome. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.